Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Former CEO of Orcon. Thank you. And I'm Tim Martin, the CEO of Coliseum. Welcome along, guys. Great to have, great to have you both here. Thank you. Uh, now, uh, CB, maybe just to start with, you can just give, an, give us an intro of, uh, of where you fit into the, uh, the technology and uh, telecommunications world in New Zealand. Sure. So when I was 19, I started Orcon Internet and ran that for 10 years and then sold it to Cordia, which is a state-owned enterprise. They've recently just sold uh, that business to a group of private investors, and I was on sabbatical for a few years, and I have now got another startup called Voyager Internet, um, and basically we've been doing a roll-up of uh, a bunch of domain name and hosting companies, so we now uh, register about 20% of the domain names in New Zealand. Cool. And uh, and Tim, tell us a little bit about uh, about your new enterprise. Yeah, right. So we're um, we are the rights holders for um, uh, the English Premier League in New Zealand, and uh, we are distributing that content exclusively over the internet. That's great. Well, let's uh, let's let's jump in, and uh, I, I think let's have that discussion first. I'm you know I'm keen to hear uh, more about uh, about what you're doing and how we're going to access uh, football this season. Now, it all kicks off what this weekend? Yeah, so Saturday night, sort of just after midnight, is uh, game on. That's that's excellent. Now, you've caused quite a stir in the media over the last few weeks. Now, you know, New Zealanders are used to the fact that if they want to, you know, catch sport. Uh, if it's not available uh, free to air, then uh, you know they're, they're paying uh, they're paying money to Sky. Yeah, and uh, you know Sky has really been the predominant way that people have accessed uh, video content, really of any form, for for quite some time. That's right. Uh, now things have started to stir up a little bit over the last last few years with access to yeah you know, various forms of, uh, of of content via the internet. The likes of QuickFlix, who, yep. who we were chatting with uh, last week. Starting to offer content through Xboxes and Playstations and and uh, you know various other sort of uh, methods. Now, what's uh, what's your story? How how are people going to get hold of football this season? Well, the great way I think about having stuff on the internet is you can get hold of it any way you want. Really, I mean, you just need a broadband connection and. Um you know, you can do it anyway. So we've we've it's all going to be under the platform of PremierLeaguePass.com, and um, you know it'll be um, PC, Mac, iPhone, iPad apps, um, uh, uh, Android apps for um, for both tablet and phone. Throughout the course of the of the of the first season, we'll be rolling out smart TV apps. We'd look to do deals with uh, PlayStation, Xbox. You know, get as many um, ways to access the content as is possible, and that's what's really advantageous about it. I mean, you don't need anyone to come around and bolt a satellite to your house, and you know, you don't need to wait three weeks for a technician to come in and and uh, tune your box up. You just log on and subscribe, and away you go and watch and watch football. Now, um, at launch this weekend, you know, your predominant way that you're going to access it is through a web browser. That's right. But over time, that's going to change. How far off are you with, for instance, an iPhone or an iPad app? Is that is that that's there. two Look, days away? I hope so. Away? Yeah, that's yeah. built. It's built. Yeah. It's with Apple. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, we're going through that, um, that process now. So it's all built and with them. So is the Android stuff. That's all done. So really, it's as, um, as, as soon as uh, they're okay. I mean, the developers... Uh, experts at dealing with Apple. They were the first guys to deliver a sports app through Apple uh, in the history of, of Apple, and they did that for the NHL and 
way back when. So, you know, they deliver 40,000 live sport events a year through the internet, these guys. So this is coming coming out of the uh, the US, That's right. right. So yep. we, uh, we, we all that stuff's developed out of New York, out of New York. And, um, you know, those guys are the global experts. And so people should take a lot of heart from that. I mean, we haven't just... Um, you know, taken this content that people dearly love and um, which because it's, you know, it's pretty amazing stuff, the Premier League. And we haven't taken it. We're not experimenting with it. You know, we are we are taking this cherished content and using it with the best online sports distributors in the world who have been proven. They've been doing this since 2007. Um, you know, they do it for the NBA. They do it for the NFL. They do it for the UFC. You know, they do it for the Chinese government and, you know, stream the Olympic Games into China where it got 670 million views. So, you know, it's in safe hands. And, um, you know, when we, we I mean, there, it, it was a big news story when it came out. And I think the reality is that wasn't really so much about us. That was actually a news story. It was really about Sky. And, you know, that's to your point earlier is that they've had a pretty good run at content because, um, you know, they've owned the distribution system and the way it goes. But a really good point to note is over, you know, 50% of New Zealand households do not have Sky. Mm. And Sky runs a good monopoly, so... Yeah, I think that, know, that's right. And so, you know, there's 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 a whole bunch. And, like, you know, we, we, we know a lot of guys at football clubs, a lot of families. You know, they don't have Sky, but they'd love to see the Premier League. If you're 20 years or younger and don't have Sky, you've never seen a game of Premier League football on TV. And so, you know, we've now made that available to everyone. And as a big part of the deal that we did is, you know, we got TVNZ involved. And... Um, the reason for that is, you know, there's now a game of the week on, on TV One at midday on Sunday, and that'll be the best game of, of the round that they'll pick and, you know, they'll put up there. And that makes the Premier League free to every household in New Zealand. And that's the first time that's happened in, what, since, well, 20 years. So can they pick any game they want? They or there's some constraints around the, what, what they There are no choose. longer any constraints around that, so uh, they now, uh, they're now able to pick every game. So I think you'll see a lot of, you know, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal and Tottenham, I think you'll see a lot of that on TVNZ. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I suppose that although it's browser-based, you can obviously, you know, airplay that to your TV if you've got an Apple TV. So that's right. Now and everything. So tech-savvy people listening to the podcast will be able to figure out how to get it on their TV, so... Yeah, look, they'll have the that, same experience as you know. That's a really good point, Steve. Yeah, that's right, mate. We, you know, we. This is the thing. It's um, the ways to get you know internet onto your TV. I mean, it's so there's just so many different ways to do it. I mean, it's not even really talking about TV anymore. Is it talking about a big screen? Um, and you know, we, you know, there are lots of people who we and we understand and accept that they need help with that. And so we've got a New Zealand-based call center which can talk you through. We've got. Um, plus as well we've got live chat through every game up with our tech partners in New York so there's lots of different ways and so we've set up the infrastructure to help people to get it on their TVs there's connection guides on site we've taken all the different kinds of TVs and all the different kinds of laptops and all the kind of different cords you might need but certainly CB I'm a big fan of the AirPlay I just think it works great it's easy I noticed that on my new laptop and you know in the past if you wanted to get you know, stuff onto your TV, you had to have a VGA adapter and this and that and, a, you know, analog adapter and blah. But I noticed my new laptop, just actually the, the port out is actually an HDMI port. So yeah. that's the, the thing. And then if you don't have HDMI, then you've got AirPlay. So, you know, yeah, it's certainly got an Apple the, TV the, for $99. The options are certainly improving. I mean, the, really is the bulk of the market um, yeah, it doesn't have AirPlay on their on their laptop. That's right. Um, because, mo- you know, most laptops are still, you know, Windows-based. But as you say, Steve, most of the newer ones have got an HDMI port or... 
you know, something equivalent that will go straight into a TV. And, you know, the, that airplay style, those airplay style options, we're seeing more and more of those think, things become I mainstream. Think actually, I think there's actually an airplay um, program for Windows called Parrot or something. I'm sure I saw it somewhere. Yeah, it's not that good. It's not that good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'll try that but, one but, just yet. Yeah. But, but right. there are, I mean, the reality is there are lots and lots of ways of doing this. Well, that's it. And, you know, most people will have a laptop in their home they can yep. reasonably easy hook up to a hook up, hook up to a TV and uh, you know and we're talking iPhone Android and that's right iPod um, yeah you know iPad etc um, I mean there are lots and lots of options there so. is the other thing as well is you know everyone says oh, I don't want to watch my sport on a small screen like an iPad and those are typically the people who have never done it and you know when you've got something like the Premier League which you know the first game kicks off at 12.30 and then you know that game's run through all the way to sort of 7 in the morning it's not bad to be able to have a device that you can lie in bed and watch sport on. And the iPad is fantastic for that. Well, the size of the screen is all relative to how close it is to That's you, right. right. And, uh, you know, I'll sit at home and watch things on the projector and, you know, yeah. it might be 80, 100-inch sort of uh, picture. Glory, but yep. <laughs> actually, it's, you know, it's great too watching stuff on a tablet that's... Uh, uh, that that's nearby as well. So. That's right. Look, it's a it's a great way to look. Lying in bed, I do it with the uh, with the NFL, and just you know, lying in bed and watching a game on the iPad is fantastic. I mean, it's not the only experience, but again, this is what we're about. You know, I think this is what the tech's about is providing options, so you're not chained to your living room anymore. You know, and the other great thing as well is because of the times difference and all that sort of thing, because it's just a login based system. You know, it travels with you. You know, it's fantastic to be able to watch a game of sport in the office on Monday morning. No one needs to know. Just keep it to yourself. You just log on, but you can do that now, right? So it's lucky, it's lucky you don't have a boss from the sounds of things. No, well, that's right. I, you know, I guess I've got a little relaxed up, the, up at Coliseum, but, you know, that's, that's true is that the, um, that's the thing. Wherever you are, this thing travels with you. And so you just never need to miss a second of reaction. You really just never need to wait for your sport again. Well, just I when you want to watch you it, you watch it. you're doing because I think, you know, it was only a few years ago that probably TVNZ and the, and the government and everyone was kind of in this panic about, well, we've got the digital changeover, we're all going to digital TV, Sky's got the only option, so basically we're all going to have to put, you know, TV on, TVNZ on Sky. And I think, you know, what you're doing is the first realisation that actually, you know, TV1, 2, 3, 4, or TVNZ or Maori Television or whatever show, you know, wants to be on the internet as a primary medium can actually work and, and internet speeds and things are good enough now to actually make that work. Um, so, you know, with UFB and, as you say, cabinetization and that kind of thing, we're actually reaching a level where, you know, if you wanted to get rid of your Sky Dakota, you can. And I was reading a report on um, pay TV in the US recently, and they were saying that, um, you know, it's long been kind of a fallacy that um, pay TV subscribers would ever go down. But the last quarter, they've sort of seen a beginning of a sort of decimation of, of pay TV in the US because everyone in the house just watches YouTube and, you know, movies on demand and things. Yeah, I think that is becoming, you know, becoming a true reality in the yep. US market that people are, you know, disconnecting from, you know, from traditional forms of, of TV. And, you know, the the likes of certainly Netflix has really helped with that. Um, but, the, you know, the, the piece when we've discussed this in the past here and, uh, you know, we've got a guide up on the NZ Tech Podcast website for those who, who want to jump through the hoops and get onto Netflix. Of course, there's, you know, Quick Flicks and other options locally as well through Apple TV and Xbox for content. 
but you know we've always said yeah but if you're into sport uh, then you've got to keep a Sky subscription and I think uh, yeah, the exciting piece here, Tim, is yep. if you can get this right and yep. you can deliver this well. That's right. Um, and you can keep getting more sports and other things, right. you know, over time. Right. Um, then it, it does totally change the picture of, of what consumers have. Well, so there's, re- a, there's a lot resting on your shoulders. Yeah, and, well, we're uh, feeling that. You know, we'll probably be highly critical if, yeah. if, if you stuff anything Well, look, I think up, it's a so, fair. Look, we accept um, that. You know, you can't jump into this stuff lightly and you can't start with something like the Premier League and not expect to get some criticism. Because it's, it's serious stuff. But, you know, the criticisms moved from when we announced what we were doing. The criticism was fired at us that it would never work, that the buffering would be this huge problem and that it would never work. Now the criticism is everyone's seen it and gone. It's, it's, it typically far exceeds people's expectations, far exceeds it. And now the, 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 the criticism or question is when's it going to be HD? And the answer to that is, look, pretty soon. I mean, uh, our tech is capable of delivering HD and Dolby 5.1 surround sound. And um, what we need is, um, you know, it's quite a lot of data for us to bring down through the network. And, you know, as we were discussing earlier, you know, our, our network costs are not cheap, um, you know, because we use the best and um, we do cache it all locally. Um, so, but that's in the pipeline and that is something that I would love to see happen in this first season as we move to a high def option. All right. Well, yeah, you jumped the gun on me a bit there before sorry, before I could, I'm sorry, you know, mate. slap you down for uh, for not having HD. Yeah, um, that is good. Well, well, I hope that can be at the, you know, at the, uh, you know, sooner rather than later end. Yeah, um, I hope so too. And, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, let's look. It's we, we want to get there, and um, we can do it. Technically, we can do it. Um, it's um, it's a it's a you know it's a cost issue, and um, it's also a you know how many subscribers out there are actually able to take it and make full advantage of it um and then also it's you know how we actually deliver it from a platform perspective and you know do we just make it available to everyone do we make it to the people who can do it to you know how, how we do that we're just working all that but we are that's actually a, a live work stream for us okay great now um one of the other aspects and for instance when i log on to my xbox and i've got a you know a us setup so i'm seeing all of these different sort of sports leagues yep. um, are listed on there. Yeah. Um, probably through the same, uh, pro, you know, provider. Yeah, New Line will be all over that stuff. Yeah, through the same provider, through New Line. Um, they're all there for the US. Mm-hmm. What's it going to take to get those apps down, you know, into Xbox and PlayStation and, and so on? In the New Zealand market, is are there a lot of hoops to jump through? That takes quite a bit of time to do, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, you've got to get the rights. It's all about the rights, the stuff. And the thing that we've discovered with rights is they are so perishable. There's one of them, typically. And um, if you miss it, then it's gone for years. You don't get another chance. And despite, you know, what people are saying out there, there's not many backdoors in. Do you know what I mean? They're, you know, the rights holders are well protected. And... Um, so um, it does, you know, you've got to get the rights. And what you find typically is the rights holder in a lot of sports. So our point of view on sport and why we moved into this, one of the reasons we moved into this space is that we feel it's the last media category to really move online. So, you know, you have a look at that stuff. It's still driven by pay TV operators. That's still the model of sport. And um, you have a look at a lot of the reason why it's not online. It's because the pay, t- a pay TV operator won't let it be. So there's this term. There's this term. I don't know if it applies to other things, but it's the first time I heard it was when we were hunting out rights and you know getting ourselves going. Is it's called warehousing? They warehouse the digital rights. Mm. So you know they're all sold, and all these guys get it, 
And what they do with it is they just put the digital rights in the warehouse and don't use it for three years. They just lock it away. Mm. And so they buy it and don't use it. And so the reason why there's not more sport on the internet in New Zealand is typically that the rights holder er, (laughs) uh, isn't, um, isn't doing it. They've locked those rights away because they drives people to the to the pay TV platform. Well, I guess if nothing else, what what you're doing is going to, you know, surely stir some action around, you know, those situations where where you know we've been forced to access, uh, you know, sport content through yep. you know one channel and that's through the TV. Yeah. And without that digital access, this has surely got to sort of going to make people think up. it's possible anyway. So. I think so. And I, look, I hope everyone rises to the challenge. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think uh, it would be great to make. This is all about customer choice, ultimately, isn't it? No one has to buy the product. But if you buy the product, you should get it wherever you want it, when you want it. That's what, that's what the world is today. It's, you know, it's, you don't wait for stuff. You don't wait for stuff to be scheduled and, tell, you know, and gatekept from you. And so I think this is what you know, content through the internet enables, is you to watch it when you want it at a great price is the other thing as well. It's just cheaper. So when, when you say cheaper, what's it going to cost uh, for people to get uh, online to watch right. uh, so a, the, the Premier League. Well, so our standard, um, our standard uh, season pass product, which is all 380 games live, um, all those games are available on site for 24 hours, so you can watch it within that 24-hour period, and then of those 380 games, 250 of those games go on demand for the week. Um, that product is $149.90 for the season. That's, um, that's nine months, so that works out at about 40 cents a game. The premium product incorporates all the other Premier League produced programming that they do and that stuff's fantastic. I mean that is really mint stuff. It's you know, it's the it's it's two preview shows a week, it's four review shows after every match day they do the full packaged review. That's all on there and so for all that stuff, uh, including all the games, that's uh two thirty nine ninety. And then we have uh our basic sort of um if you just want to come in and check it out and see if you like it and um not commit fully we have a day pass running at uh, $24.90. And what that day pass enables is full site access for 24 hours. Watch as much as you like. And how's it, how's it selling for you? It's selling amazing. It has been really great. What, yep. What's the ratio between that you know, premiere plan and your, your standard $150 one? Well, what we're finding is um, I would say like it's around 2 to 1 two, to, the, uh, to the basic. And then we're getting a lot of requests for upgrades. Is I think, but also as well, a really key point to know: the season hasn't even started. Mm. You know, we're a live streaming platform, so we haven't got much to show just yet, because you know we haven't started yet. The season starts on Saturday, so um, you know I think when people see it and when they're really great because it's about preview and review content and all that stuff. So the preview's going up in a day or two. You know, the preview to that first round of games. And then, but you know, once the season kicks off, we are awash with content, man. There is just stuff coming down every day that's going on site. So we would expect a lot of people who have bought the basic, they will um, probably uh, look to upgrade. We have an upgrade package available, um, which is fine. But really, the real, the, the best deal. I mean, what I would advise consumers to do exactly what I did is um, I bought the uh, platinum package because you're just done, you know. 
done for the season. Well, that's what you want, isn't it? That's you want what you want. To buy the best. You do. Yep. Excellent. Oh well, good luck with that. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, it is a pretty exciting time. We'll be we'll be following it. Uh, Closely I and no doubt. Uh, certainly, <laughs> uh, yeah, keep us in the loop. We'll do. What, what we'll try and do is put up on the NZ Tech Podcast site sort of some of our uh, findings and, and yeah, rec- recommendations. Uh, I've certainly had a few people getting in touch, and, you know, saying, "Look, what do we do? How do we get this thing? What's you know, what's the best way of getting yep. it onto the TV?" Uh, so it's nice to know there's there's certainly a few options coming together. There is, uh, and uh, you know. It'll probably vary from person to person in terms of what they've got. If they've got a reasonably uh, capable laptop sitting yep. around the house uh, that they can just plug in, that may be a good option. Yep. But you know, other people are going to prefer to use an iPad, uh, AirPlay, etc., to uh, to, you know, to to push it up to the TV. Yeah. So, uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, there's a there's an 0800 number, PL Pass, and um, the other thing is pop into Noel Lemmings. We've got an arrangement with Noel Lemmings. And um, they're all fully briefed. And, um, you know, if you go in there and say, look, here's my situation, here's what I've got, they'll put the rest of the pieces together for you. Oh, that's kind of handy. Yeah, it's great, you know, and they're everywhere. So, you know, they've been excellent. And what would be a standard solution that they would put together? Is there a sort well, of a very common I think it one? depends on what you've got. Do you know what I mean? I think this is the thing. It's, it's, it's quite transitional for lots of people. I think the, uh, the, the most common solution is one cable, a $15 cable. You know, to, to hook the computer system that you've got up to, your TV. up to your TV, just like you would a DVD player. I mean, you don't expect a DVD player to work without a cord. And uh, it's kind of the same. It's as, as, as simple as that, you know. Yeah. And CB, what do you think about this from a, a bandwidth perspective in terms of the Internet connections that most Kiwis have now? Um, you know, we're, we're talking uh, for Premier League Pass dot com. I think it's a, a three megabit connection as uh, you know, you need that about that much bandwidth to get, um, you know, to get the the best quality that yep. you're streaming for now. Um, yeah, so obviously, many people any, that are going to have on, an issue with anyone that? on the new UFB network is not going to have any problem at all. Um, <laughs> That's be very, 30 or very true. Ultra fast broadband blows that out by about thirty times, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and anyone on VDSL. Um, is also going to be fine, but there's only about 3,000 people in the country so far. So I think one of the things that's really um, would have made a difference in the last few years is, is the uh, cabinetization that Chorus has done. And so average speeds have risen a lot. And, um, you know, I think people will probably notice that, you know, YouTube and that kind of thing is, is buffering a lot less than it used to. And yeah, I most, think most, most providers have, have worked really hard in the last few years to actually mm. make, you know, online video so that you don't have to sort of sit around and wait because it really annoys people. And then they change providers. Um, Part also, of it is, is the caching picture as yeah, well, so isn't Tim's, it? Tim's using Akamai, which is a content distribution network and probably about the best. Um, and so they've got servers all around the country, um, close to the core of an ISP. And so instead of having to go all the way overseas to get a video stream, it just comes out of a local local server, and then you know a single stream comes down from overseas. So um, the technology is proven and, and should work really well. Um, yeah, so I don't see any problems with it. I, I think most people will be able to get a, a perfectly great experience. Awesome. Oh, good. That's certainly Cheers, uh, what I'm sure Tim was hoping to hear. Yeah, man, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that really helps. What about those on dial-up? Dial-up, you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> yeah, man, good night. <laughs> why, are you, why are you on dial-up unless you're in the middle of the country somewhere? So I guess even a, you know, even a mobile connection would be, you know, these days, a, you know, 3G uh, or 4G connection would be able to, uh, you know, handle this with ease. The issue there being uh, being obviously our bandwidth caps on yep. uh, on mobile, right? So, but even when we and uh, we're just about to dive in, talk about the uh, rural broadband initiative and ultra fast broadband. But even those on that rural broadband that's delivered over three G, we're now starting to see caps 
yeah. um, that would actually be able to uh, handle it. Would be able to handle well, it without, say, without ridiculous expense. Yeah, we saw this uh, yesterday uh, up at Samsung. They they uh, showed us on their sixty. They showed Premier League Pass the, the the test video that's on site there. They put that through a uh, mobile phone, a Samsung phone, just a the standard connection. And then through that phone, we use that phone as a modem and put it up onto the Samsung 65-inch new TV just through the browser, and it was fantastic. I mean, it just, you know, it was, that was amazing for us to see. I've never seen, actually, I don't have access to a 65-inch television, so I've never seen the product that big before. And um, it was great, you know, it just worked. And, you know, you get to that point where you go, well, it's just working, you know. Is there, a, is there the ability for um, customers to, I guess, do little back scrubs and, and do little pauses and replays? Yeah, it's got all that. It's got that stuff. full so, feature. I mean, there's a, so this is the thing. It's the, the, the tech is awesome. There's so much stuff that hasn't even been discussed or seen yet. So there's all that stuff. You can go forward, backwards. We have a team of people who watch every single game, and what they do is they clip the highlights in real time. Yep. So you get that little highlights bar and you can just go down. So at the end of every game, for every match, there'll just be a collection of all that match's highlights you just click on. So you get all the goals, all the good tackles, all the red cards, it's all, and it's all catalogued. And it's all there. You know, you have the ability to, you know, the, the great thing about this platform for something like the Premier League where there's lots of games played concurrently up to six at one time. You know, you can split your screen into four and have four games running on it at once, which matters in football, particularly come near the end of the season where mm. everyone's results affects everyone else's. You know, plus as well, you've got all the, all the games down below, so you can just flick channels, you bring two up at once, you know, it's the internet, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's, it's pretty re- flexible, isn't it? It's very flexible, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we're taking full advantage of that to deliver what we think is a really great customer experience. Now, um, looking ultra-fast broadband and the Rural Broadband Initiative. Now, we've got an announcement uh, just in the last few days from um, uh, Communications and Information Technology Minister uh, Amy Adams uh, out on her uh, uh, government letterhead, uh, their, their report on their uh, progress. Um, they've, rolled, they've rolled out fibre now past, um, what are they talking about, uh, 129,000 uh, end users in, uh, in 28 uh, towns. Um, and they're um, um, 149,000 uh, homes now having access to the uh, rural broadband uh, initiative. How uh, how do you think that's going, CB? I mean, what they're saying is, hey, we're we're well, when, ahead, when you we're, say when you say the RBI's got 149,000, that's that's they're kind of on the footprint. That's not actual homes connected to the RBI. Those, those are the ones that are that are available. Yeah, and I guess so, it comes down to people whether whether they choose to uh, whether they choose to hook in. But uh, I mean, this is a good thing that they're they're ahead of schedule. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's much better than being behind schedule, so they should have a pat on the back for that. I'm sort of in two minds as a technologist and also, you know, owner of an internet company, um, ISP. You know, obviously I think, you know, great speeds are fantastic and they're going to be good for, you know, teleworking and and all of the sort of things we haven't even thought of yet. Um, But at the end of the day, although, um, you know, with UFB we've passed 130,000 homes. And sorry, I've got that wrong. It's over 300,000. It was 129,000. Oh, last quarter. In the the last quarter. Yeah, yeah, so 300,000 homes. We've got, I think, what, three or 4,000 connected. So um, it's not a lot anyway. It's it's sort of, you know, a percent. And um, from from this perspective of an ISP, 
um, the process is still pretty difficult to mm. get connected up to USB, UFB, and and that's not you know um, you know chorus's fault or anything. But at the end of the day, you know to hook up to something like VDSL, you you know you ring up your service provider. Two days later, it's changed over from ADSL. You buy a new modem and it's done. You know with UFB, we've had you know scenarios with multi-dwelling units where people have been waiting six months and they ring us up all the time and then they get pissed off and then their driveway's got to be dug up and then all their neighbours have got to agree to get it in and all that kind of thing. So. You know, I'd, I'd kind of be in favour of, of kind of a hybrid solution where, you know, you, you sort of micro-cabinetisation, maybe you put something down to the end of a driveway, you get fibre as close to a dwelling as possible. Um, but, you know, um, the, the rollout's proceeding and, and that's that's fine, it'll get there eventually. It's kind of frustrating from a service provider point of view in that, you know, there's not really any fibre um, uh, or UFB services in, say, for example, the Auckland CBD. So, you know, when you get a customer who rings up in Catty Catty or something and says, oh, I've, you know, can I connect to UFB? And then you check their address and say, yes, totally fine, we'll get it there in two days. And then you've got a bunch of businesses screaming at you because they want better service in the CBD and they can't get it. It seems a little bit about face. But, um, you know, part of that is it's obviously, it's, it's obviously harder to get into multi-level buildings and you know, dig up busy roads and, and that kind of thing. But, and that comes over time, yeah. doesn't it? I think, look, you know, looking at our premises here, there's a fair bit of fibre that actually runs into the into the premises, but, uh, you know, it's a premium price to get that on at the moment. Well, it's but, a totally different network, so, yeah, they're, they're going to yeah. literally overbuild all of that. You know, the old HSNS dedicated fibre, you know, Telstra Clear fibre, the UFB network's completely different, so it'll just be overbuilt, so... You know, again, um, there's a bit of know, work involved to do that, isn't it? Well, there's a bit of work, but I mean, also, um, if there is fibre in buildings, it'd be nice to be able to just grab that and turn it into UFB. But that's not the way that it's going to work. So, you know, mm. Mm. well, certainly look, looking forward to that getting out there, uh, out there further. Um, well, good to have some feedback on that. I mean, the um, the RBI one is interesting, the Rural Broadband Initiative. Um, and I've had a chance to, um, you know, to see that uh, implemented a number of number of situations, uh, and yeah, it's definitely a good thing that we've got, uh, w- you know, we've got extra ways of, uh, you know, of connecting to uh, to rural premises. Um, still, the you know the the, the challenge there is uh, to some degree the uh, the bandwidth caps and so on, um, but they're certainly a lot uh, chunkier and, and better than it, even though you know often delivered over. Uh, 3G and 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 the future 4G connections, um, you know, more reasonable sort of data caps and so. Well, I, I think the RBI is super devices, super important so. because I see that um, today Kazakhstan just banned New Zealand milk imports following on from Russia and China. So, um, you know, farmers better get on to developing iPhone apps and things. <laughs> they won't be making any <laughs> money out of milk's out dead. Of milk soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sheesh. Oh, well, I hope I hope that's not the case. Um, although I think we all I think all of New Zealand hopes that's not the case, but. I mean, great to have cheap cheap milk here at home, but uh, we we need that export revenue. That's for sure. I mean, I think what I'd say about that whole fibre initiative is that it's got to accelerate. You know, they've got to find a way to get people to adopt it quicker. Otherwise, what I see in this tech thing, and I you know I don't see as much of it as others, but it um, moves pretty quick. And there's all sorts of interesting guys in this space. Like you know, those whole those Huawei guys seem to be pretty aggressive with um, non fibre based product. And I think and if, fiber because they're involved pretty much. Well, that's in right. Every yeah, well, they do build a lot of it, but they they, you know, I could see all, you know if, if it takes sort of seven or eight years to start getting households, you know, a decent number of people connected to it, there could easily be something else that makes fiber a little, you know, there could easily be well, something. One of, one of the reasons, one of the things that that sort of confuses me, and I have raised it with the various suppliers that I just don't understand, is that um, essentially the 
you know the wholesalers um so there's this chorus enable ultra fast fiber uh, and north power that are responsible for rolling out the network they're, they're sort of not allowed to be retailers they're prohibited from being retailers so they go and roll out the network and then it's kind of up to consumers to figure out that the network's in their neighborhood and then ring up someone like voyager um and request the service and then we've got to figure out whether the service is in the neighborhood and then we've got to go and you know mm. work out okay how do we actually you know is this customer on the footprint and, and do a whole map and then you know get the customer on board and what i think should be happening is a central kind of organization where the the actual installers when they go into a neighborhood they're permitted to actually go door to door and say look we're a neutral representative from say chorus or enable we can't sell you the product but by the way you can get it would you like to sign up here's a pack with all of the service providers offerings um you know explain something going on and then they'd get you know sort of 50 percent take up instead of this kind of you know one percent take up so there's a huge amount of money being going into actually rolling the network out and there's no money going into educating yeah people. well and that's just oh, the final the way, step it's actually it's by the way it's actually outside your door you just need to do this and you can be on it you know yeah I, I mean i have seen uh, internet providers jump on board with that and i remember uh, when i get ultra fast broadband uh, uh last year in Herne bay there you know there was a, a something left at the door by Orcon and they, they did quite a good but do you know look, how, do you know how Orcon's, do you know how Orcon's doing that it's so hard to get the information out that what Orcon's doing is they've actually got guys that jump in their cars in the morning and follow the chorus fans around to see whether they're going to actually be installing and then knock on the doors afterwards because it's not it's by, not easy and by anyone's standards that's so, low rent <laughs> yeah so you know it's actually quite a hard thing to do it's not you know not mm. particularly well organized so if, I mean, um, I've been trying to work out, uh, you know, how to figure out how do we actually get a list of all of the addresses that, you know, mm. we can talk to. And we're starting to get there. But it's, yeah, I think central centralised coordination goes a long way. But, mm. um, and I, th- I mean, I think the whole picture will be easy, obviously, when, when it's all just there and, you yeah. know, you can you can take it that hey if they're in the well, if they're in Auckland or they're in you know, you, you know various you can get areas it. that you know it's available. I think but the other thing is it's well, going to take a little bit of time. It is, but I tell you what, you um, you, you you put you start you start putting interesting bits of content on the internet and saying that's the way you're going to get it, and obviously that's the big driver, right? Yeah, well, you're providing a public service. You know, this, is the, first, this is the first um, scenario we've seen to break Sky's monopoly. So it's, it's exciting stuff. Everyone should sign up, make you lots of money, so that Rupert, Rupert Murdoch can make slightly less. Well, that would be you're, great. Less, you're less greedy, clearly, if you don't have a 65-inch TV. Well, that's right. If, so you, had far. if you had a 105-inch TV at home and stuff, yeah, I'd be worried. But Yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> Give me some time, though. Yeah, a yeah, couple, couple more weeks yet. Let's see how people uh, sign up. Hey, now, um, a few other interesting uh, uh, stories this week. Um, Martin Jetpack have just got, uh, uh, finally got some sort of certification, I guess, for... Uh, um, for their well, they're not actually jet based, but they're uh, they're rather rather large um, uh, packs that uh, you know can be worn by an individual to uh, to fly. And um, what they're saying is they have full certification from the New Zealand Civil Aviation Authority uh, for manned flight, and uh, they've made some pretty good progress in uh, in in recent uh, months in increasing the uh, flight time of the uh, aircraft. Now these things look. Uh, Look pretty crazy. Um, is this something either of you sort of be uh, lining up to? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, lining dead, up to I'm get? dead keen. I'm a little bit scared what happens when you suck up a bird or something in one of the engines, but I think it's well. You got cold. two. There's one on either side, so <laughs> yeah, you just, just spiral that, out of control. I don't know that it would fly very well on one engine. Yeah, so um, I think it's I'm, awesome. I'm, ke- I'm definitely keen to give it a go, and if it if it um, you know if it's super fun, then I'll buy one for sure. 
Good. Well, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to you buying one, CB, because <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to take one of these for a I've spin. Got a, I've got a Tesla Roadster S on, on order and maybe a Martin. Oh, Jack have you? When's that going to be ready? Because I'm going to be in San Two- Fran in a, in a few weeks. And, <laughs> 2014, uh, apparently. Oh, that's far, far too long. All right. I'm going to have to get hold of Tesla and see if they can uh, loan me one for the week that I'm... Uh, that I'm there. Um, do you know uh, Elon Musk at all? Is uh, is he is he a good buddy? No, he's not a good buddy. I, I have <laughs> I have been in the same room as him before, but uh, I haven't met the guy. But he seems pretty cool. Well, well, talking talking of Elon Musk, who of course is is famous uh, not not only for uh, his his Tesla um, electric. Um, Supercar, supercar, yeah, it's pr- pretty good description. Uh, but also for uh, for SpaceX and uh, you know shunting stuff up to the the space shuttle and the like. Um, he's uh, he's been in the media uh, today for this uh, this hyperloop. Now we were all looking at a bit of a uh, a bit of a video uh, earlier on, and uh, the hyperloop is is I guess a a concept for uh, delivering really really high speed. Uh, um, transport between at, at this stage between San Francisco and uh, and Los Angeles. Um, well, what, I think I think it's what's not, your take no, on it's it? not just San Francisco and Los Angeles. It's well, I guess this is the any, initial any sort suitable, of any opportunity. suitable city. But the um, he was pretty coy on details originally, and and sort of said that he'd had this hyperloop concept, which was a cross between the Concord a rail gun and a, an air hockey table, um, and. The designs have been, uh, you know, kind of put on the internet today. And so from what we can gather, um, instead of a typical bullet train like in Japan where, you you know, the train has to kind of go against normal air pressure to be sort of sealed in a tube and maybe the um, that you'd have two trains going in opposite directions that would then stop at the same time and start at the same time. And so the air would kind of swirl around like, you know, a couple of kids in a bathtub, as Tim said before. Mm. So... Um, you know, effectively, that lowers the effective air resistance, and and you can get close to the speed of sound. Um, so I don't yeah, think, we were talking, Elon's I think not going to build one, but he he wants everyone else to do it. So, but it's a good idea. Yeah, he's really clever, isn't he? Just you he's know, come up with these clever. ideas and let everyone else do all the work. As yeah, well, he's done pretty. Remembered he's, as the savior of the environment. Forever. He's done pretty well with the things that he's working on yeah. so far, right? I mean, they're. Yeah, they're proper. He, he, he's not a failure. He's, he's got uh, stuff to a space shuttle from Earth. That's yeah, good I mean, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think if you if you're competing with NASA and you've got a viable space program, you're obviously you know pretty clever guy. I think um, it's a really good idea. I like it. I think the because the thing I like about it is that you know three billion dollars sounds like a lot of money, but I, what what does the Waterview Tunnel cost? That's like a that's that's a lot, isn't it? That's like a billion we're, bucks, we're isn't kind of it? Getting, we're yeah, kind of three, getting three billion US isn't uh, isn't a huge amount of money. Not really. Step, I'm not. But if we pulled the money that we have in this room, I still don't think we quite <laughs> no, have enough. No, it's not us, um, no. But uh, yeah, certainly the the likes of Elon Musk would be uh, you know would be in a in a position to. Uh, uh, to handle it, right? But what's well, that speed like, you showed before? A thousand, one point uh, one. Twelve hundred kilometers an hour yeah, was the see. sort of speed that they're talking. That these little, uh, you know, tubes or, or you know, I guess what would replace Pellets. a train capsule, <laughs> um, you know, potentially could go at at their peak, which just, is just um, lower than the impressive. speed of sound. I think the speed of sound was a limitation because the sonic boom might blow the tunnels up or something <laughs> like that. Who knows? But. I think that um, half an hour between uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco. I've done that drive, and it's uh, nine hours, not particularly exciting. Hours. Well, as Stevie uh, said I'd, earlier, also it takes you more than half an hour just to get to the airport in LA. So, what opportunity would that create? I mean, if let, let's say in that particular situation, or I mean, other parts of the world, it gives what, you, it gives you the ability you to that? work in a completely different, you know, different city. So you could, you know, live in Paris and mm. and work in London, and if you're half an hour away from. From work, you know, I mean, uh, there's well, obviously, you know, rent and I, I was in uh, San Francisco last month and the rent is, 
you know astronomical because there's so many um, tech companies that are paying their people such good good money that it's just going to push the rent up and up and up it's almost as bad as Auckland well uh, yeah but, it, um, you know you could have people living almost. in LA and uh, you know having uh, you know their house in Malibu and things and then jumping on the Hyperloop and yep. you know popping up in San Fran to go to go to work at Google and then coming back home again so and finally you could move everyone to Ohio yeah so yeah all sorts of all sorts of possibilities there um, well I mean yeah I think um, this is going to this is going to be a fun one to watch just to see how people respond and whether uh, anyone takes this seriously at all I know um, um, Elon Musk have been you know pretty critical of the uh, um, the the so-called high-speed train plans that they were considering between uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles, and they were basically saying they're at the lower end of the speed uh, sort of spectrum for this sort of thing, and at the higher end sort of uh, cost-wise. So um, I don't know whether this will be enough to sort of stir up a uh, a change there, but uh, well, I think the uh, um, the Auckland rail loop that Len Brown's proposing is going to be cost us one point five billion or something. So that's we right. Just, we should get him to double down, and then we can all commute to Hamilton. Yeah. I yeah. just it's would, would you want to live in Hamilton? Well, maybe people in Huntley might want to come here for work or, or vice versa. Because the Hamiltonians might not want to work in Auckland. Um, That's true. It could be a waste of money. Maybe we should give up on that idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, it'd be it'd be a lot of fun, and um, I, yeah, I'm I'm certainly interested to see what uh, what the response will be. But uh, I mean, I, certainly Elon Musk should be jumping in their boots and all. I definitely think uh, it should be. I definitely think it should be experimented on and built in, in, in America and Europe as a trial because yep. you know, like you. Said, Say even in America, you know, there's been you know property prices going nuts, and if as you say Ohio, you know, if you could work in the middle of nowhere, yeah, that's, that's not stupid, right? Completely non-populated, you that's could it. have super cheap housing. You know, have a metropolitan you know centre that you can get to in half an hour. Sort of expand. In a country like Australia, you know, we just see you just see one of that thing, and just all the populations around the outside. It just you know, it just think, makes use of land. Of all the snakes and yeah, that's right. Death and, that just know, sits death in the middle, middle of Australia. <laughs> not survivable. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. Let, let's let's keep a watch uh, now. Other bits and pieces going on. Um, the GCSB bill here in New Zealand that's uh, uh, moving along in in a direction that uh, CB you're not uh, you're not too happy about. Tell us uh, tell us what's happening there. You're uh, you're speaking at an event uh, in these regards uh, over the next few days. Yeah. So I've been asked to speak on Monday the nineteenth at seven pm at the Auckland Town Hall, which I'm definitely going to do. And um, Russell Norman, the leader of the Green Party, Winston Peters, Kim.com and a, a few others, Dame Ann Salmond, um, the head of the uh, Law Society are all going to speak. So there's a, there's a broad section of um, New Zealanders that have a, have a huge amount of concern about the GCSB bill. And essentially, uh, John Key has sort of condescendingly told us that we don't have to worry and we should just all, you know... Um, worry about fishing quotas and things instead because we don't really understand what we're talking about but yeah there was quite a hoopla about uh, that particular statement on uh, on twitter last night i uh, i noticed even mm. though i wasn't watching the broadcast that uh, that was you know where the, that yeah the, was the made. effect of the gcsb is is, is going to turn the gcsb which is currently a foreign spy agency um into a domestic spy agency which is concerning enough but i think that um that combined with the um, current abuses of power and things that we have seen um, is is very alarming. So, you know, we've seen uh, American and, and foreign corporate interests um, effectively override public opinion. So you've got things like Sky City, um, you know, Warner Brothers, that kind of thing, commercial um, oiling and mining interests, um, decisions being made without really the public's kind of consent. And, I, you know, the biggest irony, the, you know, I was kind of formerly a real 
John Key fan. Um, and the thing that, you know, really sort of, uh, I guess, did it for me was that I sort of thought, you know, there was the teapot tape scandal where, you know, John and, um, you know, had a meeting and there was 40 sort of reporters sitting around at a cafe uh, documenting this conversation. And I sort of think essentially what happened is um, the Prime Minister's conversation was recorded inadvertently by a journalist. And I sort of think, well, if you're having a private conversation but there's 40 reporters around in a public forum in a public place, you should be more concerned about what you're what you're actually saying you should be more careful but um anyway effectively the the government's de, you know department launched an investigation um into the, the particular journalist and even without john key requesting it um the gcsb and the sis were involved and pulled the journalists um tapes conversations messages and everything with his lawyer so basically because the prime minister got annoyed at a journalist he you know the, the journalist's private um, client confidentially with his lawyer was was breached. So that's, you know, a huge... I mean, it's very hypocritical because, you know, on the one hand, you've got um, the Prime Minister in a public forum getting annoyed, hey, my privacy is being breached. And then on the other hand, he's going and, like, you know, breaching, in the worst case, you know, a journalist's kind of right. So when that's already happening pre-GSB, which is GCSB, which is going to allow, effectively, the government to snoop on all of our emails, all of that kind of thing, it's extremely worrying. And... You know, the thing that I sort of think is the internet's kind of an extension of our brain these days. So, mm. you know, you, you, you Google something, you forget something. And, you know, when the Boston bombings happened, for example, I Googled, you know, pressure cooker bombs because I was like, well, how does that work? What happens? Um, but I don't want to be, you know, kind of hauled in front of some Gestapo yeah, have trouble at customs. And, and said, <laughs> you know, what were you doing, do, doing here? So there has to be sort of an understanding that, you know, people think thoughts, but they don't know if it's really going to act on. Or, you know, what's going to happen down the track if, if um, you know, if I search on heart disease and then, you know, two years later my insurance company, you know, says, oh, well, we're not going to insure you for that because, you know, two years ago you were Googling for this. So there has to be some line. And I think the real area of concern is that the bill is being pushed through um, so, you know, kind of, uh, you know, hurriedly without mm. any public forum, any public discussion. And the, has, the question has to be, why is that happening? You know, there should be a, at least a discussion about it. And yeah, that's what's what the, the Law Society is saying. So when the New Zealand Law Society says, hey, this is actually breaching the New Zealand Constitution, you've got to be quite concerned. Yeah, I mean, it does seem there must be a huge pressure behind the scenes that we're not privy to mm. uh, on, on John Key to actually do this. Uh, See, I that, wonder if it's like it's a big thing coming down from America or something saying well, you guys do yeah, this. Is I mean, that one, what it is? One, well, there, one there of the things is, there must be something one of the like things that. Is what, that why else would he be pushing I'm, yeah, this I'm through? Not sure, and, so fast. And, and, I'm not sure whether you're aware. A lot of people have discussion. heard of like the Why Hope I spy station, hmm. and effectively, um, the reason the Why Hope I spy station is is you know down in the South Island is because New Zealand's part of the Five Eyes spy network. So there's New Zealand, Australia, the UK. Canada and the US and we all have this sort of wow. agreement and basically what we've done for years is we've spied on other people, other other um, country citizens so there's sort of an agreement that the US actually spies on New Zealand citizens, New Zealand spies on the US, Canada spies on wow. Australia and we all exchange information. Lovely isn't and so it? What <laughs> this, I, know, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah so basically we do the US's spying because they're not you know allowed to spy they're on their own citizens to. so we're already being spied on but effectively this bill brings us in line with the changes to um, 
you know US law recently, which effectively legalizes you know spying. Yeah. But I mean, the US um, you know constitution is is extremely under attack. They're one of the only countries that's hasn't um, you know ratified the Geneva Convention. There's a whole lot of things that are very concerning going on in the US, and I don't mm. think we just want to get bullied into doing this doing just because they want. you know they and say we should be. Yeah, and I think with some of the recent uh, the recent rev- revelations certainly give us a lot more to. Uh, uh, to be concerned about in terms of the way that uh, the US has operated. I think in the past we've always seen the US as being, hey, this great big brother that uh, you mm. know maybe is maybe is um, you know helpful to uh, to New Zealand in lots of ways. And I'm, and I'm sure you know the relationship still is in many ways. But that big brother is starting to take on a um, some more yeah, I mean, sinister in, in yeah, yeah, connotation. Yeah. In, right. in the last few years, we've actually seen a massive uh, you know reduction in the amount of privacy we have because we've get kind of freely given up our um you know uh photos and and what we're doing and all that sort of stuff to facebook and twitter and so we've actually lost our innocence we've lost our privacy and so what we should be doing is we should be enacting laws that increase the level of privacy back to what they were not strip them away completely yeah well i mean certainly the 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 way that social media is sort of uh you know become ingrained into society has uh um, yeah, stripped down a lot of those things where we have had privacy and mm. uh, you know a gamification of sort of sharing your location on Foursquare or mm. you know posting photos that have got uh, GPS coordinates embedded in them, uh, you know publicly on the internet for all to see. So at a moment in time, uh, you know anyone anywhere can know where you are, yeah. who you're with. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's got to be a downside of uh, of some of these things, and you know, I think in most cases we're yet to see what those potential issues are. Uh, but in yeah, reality, there, yeah, there I mean, must phrase, be, there must be yeah. some connotations. This, is, this has sort of been pointed out on Twitter, results. but you know, one of the phrases that the National Party's kind of used is, "If you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear." Um, so just let us enact the bill. But coincidentally, that phrase was used by Joseph Goebbels in sort of 1937 <laughs> yeah. when the Nazi party was going yeah. around doing things. That's and, a, you know, that's one a of, terrible thing to say, do you know what I mean? Like, that's just um, totally all wrong. What, you're saying oh, it's a terrible thing for me no, to say? No, not a terrible, terrible thing, thing for, they, for, for them to say. To say. Yeah, for them, so you're absolutely right. To hide, there's nothing wrong. What, the, well, I mean, I, so well, well they, you can they, understand the point, but the, the thing is, is it leads to unintended consequences. Like, for example... Um, in in France, you know, forty four percent of uh, Jews were exterminated, and in Holland it was eighty five percent. And the reason that in Holland it was um, so much higher is that Holland had really good kind of records of who lived at what house and what their national identity was and all that kind of thing. And so the you know the concern is that not not so much what's going on now, but you know mm. what happens if we get a Robert Mugabe style takeover or I was going to say know, that's exactly right because in many ways problem, you know, know you accept that you know if the law is handled really responsibly and it's used to I mean I don't know if there's terrorists in New Zealand I mean how would you know and if that's a thing you can say well I kind of get it but it seems so open to someone just being a you know kind of um, misusing it and mismanaging it and well, abusing I think, it. I think well, I think it's really hard to hold on to data once you've got it, as we're finding now, yeah. is that, you know, it is so easy for people to get at, at you know, at the data. So once yeah. it's collected, yeah. uh, there's got to be that concern around... That's right, well, just who else how, is going to get it? I don't, I don't secure, think that anyone, I don't think anyone has a problem with, you know, using sophisticated data mining you know, methods to, um, you know, capture terrorists. None yeah. of us want terrorists. 
but the issue is is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of oversight and when you've got the that's prime right. minister taking personal vendettas against journalists See, and that's the, that's you know, right. going after them then there's clearly you know there's no separation between well, it's just so you know, open government. to so abuse we're going to get basically a dictator you know what's the yeah. what's the difference if, if john key's the the prime minister and he has the right to investigate any person and basically pull your phone records um, between you and your lawyer well you know we also as well you've got a whole department the rabbit hole. you've got a whole department that's funded that needs to do something with this stuff and we actually don't have a big terrorist problem in new zealand so you know what we, are you cer- we certainly hope not no anyway, well, not right? yet you know but it doesn't seem like we do right because you're not really making a statement if you blow something up here really uh on a global scale but the the so if they're not doing that right then what are they doing with it? They've got to be doing something. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, there probably is a genuine risk. I mean, we look at what happened at Bali in Bali a few years ago. Yep. There's no reason that sort of thing, you know, potentially couldn't happen well, here. Well, in Indonesia, they're the world's most populous Muslim country, so there's maybe there's less are. risk here. I mean, not, not saying well, that it's always but Muslims. It, but it was but, Kiwis know. and Australians that were, you know, that were targeted in that case. Sure, but we, you know, we, had, a, we had a different, a different, you know, kind of belief system from the people that we were there. I think, you know, New Zealand's much more homogenous, but... You know, there's there's other issues like you know uh, potential people being frustrated with poverty and that kind of thing, and we've obviously got you know children that we're not looking after and and, and that kind of thing. So those are causes. But as far as terrorism goes, I don't think you've got you know huge clashes with ideologies of you know Western people having a mm. good time partying on, on someone's country where they think well you shouldn't be in a bikini because that's against our you know religion, um, you know rightly or wrongly that's their that's their you know. Um, also, you know, to have that opinion. Ter- terrorist attacks that they blow up bombs at a Boston marathon that gets global headlines because then it's a big story. I mean, you, mm. you do something in New Zealand, that's you know, it's probably a new story for a day outside New well, Zealand. I think we know? have a little bit more profile than that, but um, you know, I, I think one of the other angles that, to look at is that um, you know, there's uh, I read a report which says that you know, essentially. Um, if you think about it, all cloud services are in the US, you know, cloud services started with mm. Gmail, they then went to Facebook and, you know, Flickr and, you know, YouTube and, um, you know, then you've got, the rest you know, yeah. Um, yeah, Hotmail, now Dropbox, you know, so all, you know, all of our files, all of our photos, all of our contact information, all of our emails, all in the US. And, um, you know, because of the revelations that basically the US is effectively intercepting every single email, every single photo. Oh, wow. Um, you know, there was well, a thing. Well, no, we heard the uh, the stats out fr- um, from the NSA. They said it's only one point six percent of uh, content. Well, that's, only that's actually wow. that's and actually uh, that's wow. actually not true because I don't know whether you saw, but there was an interview with a guy from the CIA, and he was talking. He let slip, but it went all over the internet. And effectively, the guy from the CIA was saying, "Oh, we have, the Boston bombings happened, and then after the Boston bombings, we pulled all of their you know recordings with all the people they talked to for like the last few years." So. The NSA, one, one, the NSA can pull all of your voice recordings even if you're not a suspect and yeah, everything after the fact. Well, I think 1.6% is actually a pretty big number when you break it down because you think of how much online is, you know, YouTube yeah. and, and Netflix and all these sorts of things. Then you've got encrypted content, which they can't, you know, at this stage probably do a whole lot with. 1.6% is a huge amount it's of... It's a lot of resources. Basically, is, basically if, if the GCSB goes through, then, you know, we, we uh, you know risk living in a state where... You know, you get arrested for some minor crime or something, and um, the police then just decide to listen to all your phone calls. Now, another thing that's amazing that's come out only a week ago is that in the America, the abuses of PRISM, which is the data gathering service, are already so rampant that effectively people are being um, picked up by police 
for minor drug, you know, um, non-violent drug offences and also um, copyright infringement. So, you know, in the US they said, oh, well, you know, PRISM is there to, to prevent against terrorists. And what, we've, what they've actually found is it's already been proven that what's happening is the, um, you know, NSA is feeding information to local police and saying, well, you might want to be on the street corner and pick up this car at this particular time and then, you know, some guy gets frisked down for, you know, some marijuana charge or whatever. Um, and the data then there's a whole process where that data is hidden where it's come from so that it's not found out that it's actually prison so mm. I mean do we want that here I don't yeah, think we do it's, it's, it sounds pretty scary well the um, the invites out there John Key if you would like to uh, come and uh, join us I'd certainly be interested in hearing the um, the other side of this discussion and I don't think uh, it's been well um, it's been well put forward which which may just mean that there absolutely are no uh, there are no good responses to I'm what sure, CB, I'm sure CB's that, saying here I'm but, sure that um, John will be very keen to come uh, on the tech podcast because Campbell Live was not illustrious enough for him so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, certainly we'd be happy to have the government on and uh, hear uh, their their views on the topic um, now it seems we've uh, we've sort of run out of time we had a few other uh, um, stories to talk about some new uh, gadgets and bits and pieces, uh, but we're going to push those uh, those out to uh, to next week. So uh, definitely catch us on the the next NZ Tech podcast. We've got a whole lot of uh, cool gadgets, apps, and uh, and bits and pieces that will be um, that I'm sure you will enjoy hearing about. Uh, but that's really us for this week. Now, guys, where do we uh, where do we track you down online? CB, you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at uh, CB, which is spelled S E E B Y. Excellent. And um, just Google me. I'm pretty much the only one. So. Yep, that, that's nice. And uh, now, Tim, we found uh, that you've just launched a uh, a Twitter handle. That's uh, right. uh, Today, so Premier League Pass is, is we're, we're up and going, and that's uh, P L Pass. Excellent. P underscore, underscore isn't it? With yeah, underscore, yeah. underscore L underscore Pass. That's right. So, right. so, so people can track you down there. That's and, it. Uh, we're up and going, and we're uh, talking football and having a good time. Excellent, excellent. And uh, you can track me down on on Twitter at Paul Spain. Uh, TechJungle.com is my uh, my Geek Zone blog, uh, and of course for uh, NZ Tech Podcast, we're at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we're also there on uh, on Facebook.com slash NZ Tech Podcast and on Twitter. Uh, NZ Tech Podcast too so pretty easy to track down through uh, those channels uh, Google Plus and the like uh, so do hit us up we'd be really keen to hear your uh, your feedback on this uh, this episode as well if you've got any uh, any bits to uh, to fire back in terms of your uh, your agreement or, uh, or or disagreement on uh, on what's been uh, what's been discussed this week, um, and you can also email us feedback at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening in. Um, don't forget to look out for our two other uh, podcasts, New Zealand Business Podcast that launched last week um, and uh, sat right up the top of uh, iTunes. I think placed two or three or weeks. So uh, thanks to everyone for downloading that uh, and our uh, NZ uh, Digital Podcast for those involved in the uh, digital media and social. media media world uh, you'll probably enjoy that one too all right thanks for listening see ya